Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 146 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is Matt Harrison. Matt is an instructor on Python and data science material. He is co-chair of the Utah Python User Group and has presented at conferences including PyCon, OSCon and OpenWest. Matt is also an author of several books on Python, including the Treading on Python series. So, Matt, can I ask you to expand on that brief intro and tell us a little bit more about yourself? First of all, I, I no longer co-chair the Utah Python, but I did do that for about five years. So just, I'm sure someone out in internet land will nitpick on that. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I run a small consulting and corporate training company called Metasnake. And for the past five years or so, I have provided consulting and corporate training to companies large and small. I spend about half my time taking people who are very technical. Typically, they work in large companies and are very familiar with computers or even programming and teach them Python. Or nowadays, I'm doing a lot of data science as well. So sort of go all the way up the stack, teach basic Python, teach how to use tools like Jupyter, uh, Pandas, and also go into creating models, predictive models, uh, that sort of thing as well. In addition, I do consulting on the side, and, and as you mentioned, I've written a couple books. I'm in, currently in the process of three books right now as well, so it keeps me busy. Sure, absolutely. Um, in terms of the, the focus you have, obviously Python is quite a theme there. Why did you choose Python in particular? Yeah, I've, I've been using Python since about 2000, and when I was in school, I was told that I needed to learn a language that would make me useful and relevant. And I was I was advised that I should learn Perl. So this was about 1998 or so. And so it was about that time to get a summer job. And I, I went out and got a book that said, here's how to learn Perl. And I said that and I got a job using Perl. So I was somewhat comfortable with Perl. And I ended up getting another internship. And I it was a, a really cool company doing some natural language processing and I was tasked with working with a smart guy who we were creating a little model to pull out the relevant terms from a corpus of text and he was like uh, I want to use this language called Tickle and I was like well let's use Perl and neither of us uh, wanted to sort of cross the bridge to the other side and so as a compromise he said well there's this language called Python I said yeah let's let's try that and in three days, we had our proof of concept working. And I think neither one of us looked back. Python just sort of fit my brain. And I really appreciated it. I mean, I had done a lot of C and Java and Perl beforehand. And I really felt like Python just sort of gelled with me. So I've, I've right. just sort of stuck with it ever since. Okay. Uh, and obviously, we mentioned the fact that you've written a number of books. Um, they have been primarily Python-focused, as I understand it. So the Trading on Python series has a beginning book. Uh, the, the beginning book is called Illustrated Guide to Python 3. And there's an intermediate book that follows that. And then I have a Pandas book as well. So talking about the Pandas. 
and presumably they're available in um, Amazon stores and and uh, online generally, I presume. Yeah, they are available in Amazon stores and online. Yeah, great. Okay, so Matt, can you perhaps share a career tip with the IT career energizer audience? One they may not know and should. A career tip I would share is being a little bit comfortable with being uncomfortable, if that makes sense. Maybe I'll expand a little bit. You know, when I was back in school or right after I graduated from school, I, I would sort of lurk on mailing lists and, and you know, there's the Bay Area Python user group and it met like a couple miles away from my house. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to go to that. I'm going to do something else instead, right? Or like, that's sort of out of my comfort zone to do that. And I really regret that just because at that point in time, the user group was a very small tight-knit user group. I mean, I ended up eventually going and meeting most of those folks anyway, but I regret doing that just because of the interactions that I, I think I missed out on. And also, I've come to realize that the more I network and connect with people, I think the more value I can bring to them, the more value they can bring to me. And it's just something that is super powerful. And I, I think this might be a broad generalization, but I think most developers, people who are sort of comfortable around computers, sort of, I'm just going to go off and mess with my computer and not interact with anyone. And I, and I think that's fine. But I, I think if you want to further your career, the best way to do that is to network with other people. Yeah. So for you, the comfort zone, if you like, was the fact that you need to put yourself out there a bit more. Yeah, I think so. Just like, oh, I've got something else to do or or that's not quite, you know, I could do that, but I'll, I'll just do this instead or stay home and watch TV or something like that, right? Cool. Okay. So Matt, can you tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? I think my worst career moment is when I started a small company doing vertical niche software and and realized that I was not a salesperson. And we got into some talks with, with people who were interested in our software, but for some reason or another decided not to buy it. I mean, this was, like I said, pretty small niche software and, and we're meeting with small companies and they're like, well, we like your software, but you know, if we bought our your software our CTO wouldn't have a job because basically he, he manually does what your software does all the time. And not only is he our CTO, but he's also my brother. And so I can't really buy your software right then. And, and I, I felt like I didn't really have anything I could say to him. I was like, okay, well, okay. If you don't want to buy it, don't buy it. And as I've sort of gone off on my own and, and done my own thing. I, I found that, you know, sales can be very hard. Like I said, especially for introverts, people who aren't, you know, I never really wanted to be a salesperson. That's, you know, I, I like sort of dealing with computers and, and teaching people and helping people. And, and so sales can be very hard that way. Um, but I, I've found that by doing certain things, uh, leveraging, content marketing and and like I said, networking, I have been able to uh, make sales or at least uh, survive being uh, independent. And, and I think I've provided good services to others and, and they're pretty happy about them. I'm sure those are skills that you've had to develop as, as well as you go along. I mean, 
as you say, if you're used to being a developer or a programmer and not necessarily having those sort of conversations, it's something that you wouldn't necessarily have put a lot of time and effort into in the past, but something that you've had to build on. Moving away from your worst IT career moment, can you perhaps tell us about your career highlight or greatest success? If I could pin back, you know, sort of being able to go on my own and and do things on my own, I'd probably blame that on writing a book. And so my first book, I think I wrote in 2010 or so, and I had given a a talk at a conference or tutorial form and wanted to give that another one. It got accepted to another one. And instead of just rewriting the slides, it was like six months down the line, I figured that I would write a book about that instead. And so I did that. I I wrote the book. It didn't take six months. It took longer than six months. It was self-published. And I think it sort of opened some doors. Um, I mean, some people say like, oh, self-publishing, there's low quality or whatnot. And yeah, sure, sure, there were some typos here and there and that. But, um, you know, I think I've addressed many of those issues. But it was very interesting, even at work, people like, oh, yeah, you wrote that book. And I would have people come up to me and say, oh, I saw your book. And, I, and like, I didn't advertise it to them at all, but they had come across it. And, and so it was a really cool, I would say, like business card, like, not only do I know Python, I wrote a book about Python and yes. you know, I, I can share it with you. And, and that bar has been significantly lowered with self-publishing. Like if you want to write a book, if you want to have that business card in your back pocket that you can share with someone that sort of says, I am an expert on this, uh, you can do it. It's just a matter of determination if you want to. Yeah. Obviously, the first one you say took you quite a while to write. Has, has the process got quicker for you over time? Perhaps a little bit. I mean, I, I've got, I think I can sort of get into the flow easier and, and start typing easier. I have my workflow pretty much down and, and the tooling around that down. I think it's more of dedicating time to do it, right? Because especially when you're a consultant, if you're writing a book, you're not getting paid for that generally. So it's a matter of prioritizing that. And, and I'm not necessarily saying that like you should write a book for the money, like if you write a book, tons of money will come in. Certainly that happens with sort of these outlier books that you hear about, but most tech books are not like that. They're not, you don't necessarily write them for the money necessarily, but I think they do open doors. Yeah. They certainly help with your reputation and uh, yes, getting known as an expert in your field. Yeah, I think so. So Matt, what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT in particular? The thing I like about being programmer, sort of involved with programming and helping people learn is that you sort of have power to create what you want. You can create an application and I'm doing a lot of, like I said, data science slash predictive modeling, machine learning type stuff. And it's really cool to see that a lot of companies that I'm coming to have data, they have this sort of low hanging fruit and they want to start taking advantage of this data, right? And and there's a lot of sort of low-hanging fruit that, that companies can take advantage of that they aren't right now. I'm, I'm surprised at, what would I say, a lot of companies that aren't taking advantage of it but have data and also surprised at like some of the cool applications that I've seen with, with people that I've worked with but also some of the colleagues and other people that I know in the industry. It's really exciting. 
Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. So like I said, uh, I, I just said I like to create things. And, and I think at, at one point in time, I thought I would be an artist. And, you know, I did a lot of art classes growing up and in school. And I even took some art classes in, in college, but decided that, well, I guess sort of inspired and coerced into programming by a family who said, hey, you, you should look into this. You're, you like to create things, but also there's huge opportunities here. Not, not that the, there's anything wrong with doing art and being an artist, but the world we live in now, we're surrounded by computers. And even if people are creative or whatnot, they can leverage that creative side doing programming and whatnot, even, even data scientists, right? You, there, there's quite a bit of creativity in, in digging into the data, presenting the data, sort of finding out new insights in the data as well. Okay. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? I guess the best career advice I, I probably ever received and I ignored it was probably back in like 2004 or someone, someone said, you should go get a job at Google. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think that was before their IPO, and I, I completely ignored that. But uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. But but what I what I would say is, like I said, the best career advice I have seen is to network. And, and like I said, I, I think this is really hard for a lot of programmers. But I have seen in in my own life and in the life of other people who I've networked with or whatnot that it has sort of put them on short track for getting hired or getting promoted or getting other jobs that they want, not because they have a great page on LinkedIn or not because they have super good GPA from whatever school or whatnot, but because they know someone at a company and that leads to inroads and discussions that way. It sort of greases the skids for their career. Yeah. And I think there's also, I mean, people look at networking as that sort of um, the more personal connection, if you like. And obviously there's the face-to-face, which is obviously ideal. But there's nothing to stop you if you don't feel that like you're ready to do that, to actually use the online tools to actually develop a network, even if it's not a face-to-face contact. I personally think there's a lot more power in face-to-face, so that can be harder. And depending on your location, there's certainly the ability to use online tools. I mean, it is certainly possible to use something like Twitter or LinkedIn to get a job. And and I've sort of seen that firsthand. I posted at one point in time, I was looking for a job and I posted that on Twitter and had all these people, hey, we're interested, talk to us. And I think I had, you know, probably 40 inquiries or so of people like coming to me, offering me a job. And that just shows you the power of, you know, building up a network, right? I didn't have to go out and give out a hundred resumes to a hundred different companies, hoping to get one of them to interview me, but they were coming to me and saying, we want to hire you. If you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? I mean, sort of full story. I started at a school in Utah, Utah State. And after two years there, I transferred to Stanford and I finished at Stanford. So I sort of had views of sort of a smaller school. And then I had 
experience as like one of the most prestigious computer science schools in the world. I was in the Bay Area for nine years working and and studying. And so I, I got pretty exposed and involved to a lot of what goes on in the Bay Area. And then I, I relocated back to Utah where I was originally from and have been here for the past while. So that, that's sort of my background. I have worked for various startups before going on my own. I've always worked for small startups. You know, if I was starting today, if I was like, you know, graduating from high school or whatnot, what would I do? To be honest, you, you look at things like Lambda School, and I think that's pretty compelling offer like you don't you know it's like this sort of super boot camp where yeah. you learn but you don't pay anything and then you pay for it after i think that's somewhat compelling having said that like i really enjoyed my college experience i met awesome people i had a good job i think it helped my network you know it's interesting the day we're interviewing here there there's sort of this a day or two ago, the scandal about people getting into college and sort of paying for that and sort of the cost of college, I think is sort of on everyone's mind right now. And then there's also the the idea of like, is college even necessary or like a boot camp? Can you just sort of learn it on your own? I don't know. I guess I'm sort of rambling here, but I, I would say probably if, if I were to do it again, you know, I definitely enjoyed my experience at Stanford. If I could sort of get into that and do it again, I'd probably do that again. If I was giving advice to someone who's just starting out, I think my advice would be, you know, and, and you just graduated with a degree or maybe you've done some boot camp, but you have, have experience. My, my advice probably would be like, go get a job at Google or someone in somewhere in the Bay Area, big company, and go work there for two years, three years and see what a big company is like, but also get connections, involve yourself in, in the community. I think for better, for worse, like having something like a Google on your, on your resume is sort of like a golden ticket and can't hurt. So that would, that would be my advice. Having said that, like, I I think I've sort of followed the exact opposite of that. Right. I mean, (laughs) I I do have a a degree from Stanford, but I've all, all always sort of stuck in small companies, been, you know, involved with startups or or smaller companies on, on that scale, just because. I've liked to feel like I'm not just part of a cog, but I, I'm having an impact. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? Yeah, uh, so I, I think my main objective for MetaSnake this year is I am focusing on doing more corporate training. I really enjoy coming into a group of people who are motivated to learn, are excited to learn, and it's really awesome to spend like three or four days with them. And at the end of them saying that this was awesome. You know, I, I, I do a lot of Python training and data science training. And even for the people who I'm doing Python with, a lot of them have been like, Hey, I've used Python for, you know, professionally for two years or more, but I put them through a fundamentals class and they're like, I didn't know all this stuff that I didn't know. And I, I think that's really cool and empowering to like see people sort of progress and, and learn that way. So I'm, I'm trying to bump that up. So, you know, if you are, I'll just do a quick pitch here. If, if anyone here is in a company and, and would like to sort of level up their team at the same time, I think there's a really compelling argument for ROI on that and making your employees happy, but also improving their productivity there. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? The number one non-technical skill? Yeah. 
I like to think that I'm creative, but I, I don't know if that's a technical skill or not. I mean, I, I feel like creativity is involved with programming. Creativity is involved with a lot of like machine learning, data exploration, that side of things. But I don't know how to necessarily quantify that. But I feel like I'm somewhat creative and, and, and I feel like, you know, that has helped me sort of do things in maybe a different way or, or stand out in a different way. And Matt, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career energizer audience? Sure. Yeah. My parting piece of, of career advice would be take a good hard look at where you are and where you want to be. I know that, that you know, there's a lot of, you know, where do you want to be in five years? But but look at where you are and look at maybe, think about maybe not five years, but like a year down the line. Where do you want to be? Do you want to be giving a talk at a conference? Do you want to be a, a book author? You know, something that may be out of your comfort zone. Think of some IT person that you look up to and, and why you look up to them. And then figure out what you can do to level yourself up. I think a lot of it is just the desire and motivation. And like I said, these days with like self publishing and being able to network online, you know, YouTube, making your own creations it's mostly just a matter of if you want to not a matter of if you can yeah and finally what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you my website is metasnake.com so you can go there if you're interested in, in sort of the offerings that i do i'm also online so uh, my username on twitter is dunder m harrison that's underscore underscore m harrison underscore underscore the dunder uh, reference to Python double underscore. So there's that. I mean, if people are interested to con- connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm certain drop me a line saying, Hey, I heard you on the podcast and I'm more, more than happy to connect there as well. Matt, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah. Thank you. Great to be here. As always, my thanks go to my guest on today's show. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e, and then the number of today's episode. I also want to thank you for your continued support. It's always great to hear from listeners, particularly when they have suggestions about potential guests or ways to improve the show. And this was one of the reasons for creating the new IT Career Energizer Community Facebook group. I'm really excited about taking the podcast forward and I hope that you'll continue to support and listen to the show as it continues to change and evolve. Thanks for listening, and remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.